When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat, and, well, the Penguins' winning streak has come to an end. A 3-2 loss to the Carolina Hurricanes on Sunday. We finally got a Saturday off for the first time this season, and the Penguins lose on Sunday, ending their seven-game losing streak. They'll have a chance at redemption on Thursday as they take on the Hurricanes, but they got a game against the Rangers sandwiched in between there coming up on Tuesday. So for this episode, we're really going to focus in on the big three. Malkin is on a nice goal streak, or sorry, point streak, I should say. Chris Letang has been great since his return. We'll talk about that. And is Sidney Crosby top five of all time? That was a big topic last week. We're going to touch on it a bit this week before getting into a little bit about the Pittsburgh Penguins jerseys. But let's start out with the game that happened on Sunday evening. The Penguins lose 3-2 in Raleigh against the Carolina Hurricanes and fall back in the standings to third in the Metropolitan Division. Horwat, what is one of your takeaways from that matchup on Sunday night? One of the takeaways I have from that matchup is it, it's one that dates back a few games as well. Um, this team is showing an ability to play from behind, and it you know was again solidified against Carolina despite losing. Um, it's like the fourth time I think, I like the third or fourth time in the last handful of games where uh, they've given up the first goal in, in a couple of occasions in the first minute, uh, and have been able to battle back and in Carolina's case, at least reclaim a lead, whereas, you know, in most of them, win the game. So the fact that they're able to not get discouraged and just kind of hold on to uh, the fact that they know they're a good team and can play with uh, a bit of a handicap, it's a hell of a thing to ha- It's a, a hell of an ability to have and a hell of a um, thing you're able to fall back on, especially against some of these tougher teams like Carolina. You, yeah, it was a scoreless first period, um, but then you give up the first goal but I mean again they gave up the first goal in Florida and were able to fly, fly right back they gave up the first goal in the opening minute to Columbus and another game that I'm forgetting uh Dallas but what they do for the rest of the game in Dallas they shut them down rest of the game against Columbus shut them down to hold those teams to only one goal now again I get we lost to Carolina but that's a good team that you were able to battle back from take a take mm-hmm. a two to one lead and take it into the third period, no less. It was um, just a matter of closing down 
some mishaps happen here and there. That's going to happen. But you were able to reclaim a lead against a very good team uh, and mm. showing some ability to play from behind and some uh, some comeback kid you know, style again. It's very good to see because once the Penguins were down before, they were out. It was over. Yeah, they have the knowledge that they're good enough to come back. And it feels like a lot of people forgot about the team on the other side of things last night. Because I saw a lot of people down in the dumps on the Pittsburgh Penguins after this loss. And, and there were multiple reasons, multiple things. And I'm sure we'll get into to some of them here on this show. But it seems like a lot of people forget that's a pretty good team on the other end there. The Carolina Hurricanes have been a good team for the past couple seasons under Rod Brindamore. And they, they proved it again on Sunday night. The thing about the Penguins and being able to come back, like you mentioned, is there's the desire, too. This is a semi-meaningless, and by semi-meaningless, I understand every game means something in an 82-game season, especially when it's against a division opponent. But this is a random game on a Sunday, technically matinee at 5 p.m. against a Carolina Hurricanes team that's pretty good in the middle of December. If there's a game to drop when you're on a seven-game win streak, yeah, sure, you lose that game by one. Oh, well, you, you move on to the next one. They did not want to lose that game. You saw them flying all over the place. The I mean, the, the Hurricanes didn't score an empty netter, but should have scored five. Yeah, that like, wasn't the, the way that the Penguins and the older players for the Penguins are striving to just, we're not going to give up that goal. We're going to stay in it to the very last second. That was impressive to me, and I think that all you know coincides with the fact that they aren't getting down on themselves when they go down in the score sheet, and they know that they're good enough even without two very important players and Jason Zucker and, and Jeff Petrie, they know they're still good enough to come back and win these games or at the very least come back and make it close. Yeah, and you're right. That empty net process, that was uh, that was a scene, to say the least. That was <laughs> yeah. very impressive, just keeping the puck out of the net. I think if you were going to drop a game of these last couple out of this one or Florida, I think I would have rather dropped the one in Florida. Well, yes. Um, just for division ranking situations, but also... Then you realize they were playing without Kachuk in a forward short. All of a sudden, you don't want to lose that one either because you want to look like the better team in that situation. Um, I mean, the Penguins are bound to lose eventually. Again, you'd rather it not be against a divisional opponent, but hey, we're out of those for a little while, aren't we? Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah it's not like the, we don't have, what, five of the next six against the Metropolitan yes. Division. Against, Like we mentioned on Thursday, against the cream of the crop in the Metropolitan Division. All playoff teams. Yeah, but... The Devils are kind of on a down spell. They are. But, Who knows? Yeah. Uh, you know, that's what? That's a week and a half off. They could be, you know, Christmas break could turn a lot of things around for a lot of teams. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. Uh, one of my big takeaways from that game kind of goes along the lines of what you were talking about. It's these two teams are extremely evenly matched. When you're talking about a team in the Carolina Hurricanes who is a lot younger than the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yet on the ice, they're extremely evenly matched. I think it's because of the all-time legends in, in Malkin and Crosby and how good they still are helps even out that age difference. But all aspects of the game on Sunday were, you know, tit for tat. Five on five, power play, penalty kill. It seemed like it was, you know, a rock in a hard place going at it and, and nobody could survive in between. I mean, both games that those, these two teams have played have been separated by one goal. The Penguins haven't been able to get over the hump this season against the Carolina Hurricanes. But if you watch the game, there was not much room to breathe offensively for either team. Now, they got their chances just because of how talented and how skilled each team was. And each team is bound to make a mistake. Nobody's perfect. And the other team was able to get really good opportunities when that happened. There was a lot of just opportunistic play on both sides. 
if this ends up being a seven-game series, I saw a lot of that on, on Twitter last night as well. I don't know if I'll survive it because it is going to be high-flying, high-scoring, and just all-around great hockey from the opening face-off to the final horn. It's going to be that I wouldn't. I would say there's a greater than fifty percent chance that series would go seven games. It's pretty. It's a pretty good chance. Yeah. I don't know about high scoring, but it's it would be a I close, still... tough fight. It would be, you know. Blow for blow. For me, playoff high scoring is like four to three constantly. Yeah, it would be a lot of what we saw last night. It would be very, um, whoever makes the first mistake is the one going down. That's how it would all turn out. All seven games. Because you're right, it probably would go seven. If not six, it sure as hell isn't going four. No, no, I really would be surprised if either of these teams swept the other. Uh, like happened in, in 2009 with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, the last thing I do want to mention before we get into Evgeny Malkin, a lot of people were on Mike Sullivan about his decision to start Casey to Smith. I don't understand. You know, I, I get it. You want them to win every game. Trust me, they would like to win every game too. Like, they don't want to lose games and they want to win everyone. But there's multiple reasons why it was the right decision to start Casey to Smith on Sunday afternoon. One, you need to get Jari rested before these next two home games heading into the Christmas break against the Rangers and the Carolina Hurricanes because Tristan Jari had started, I believe, just two in a row, but the more important factor was Casey DeSmith hadn't played in a game in about a week. So if you don't get him that start and you don't want to start him at home against these really good teams because, let's face it, even coaches know we want to put our best foot forward at home for our fans, which is why you're going to see Jari the next two games. If you don't, then you start to question it, but you need to get DeSmith between the pipes again before Christmas because the Penguins are going to play three games in four days after the Christmas break, and if they didn't start him on Sunday, it would have been two and a half weeks since his last start. So what hope do you have for him in one of those games if you didn't get him some action on Sunday against the Carolina Hurricanes? And one last thing I'll say is, you just wanted him to give the Penguins a chance, and that's what he did. These fans that are always upset about KC Smith's performance, how much of it is you're trying to say, well, if Jari was in, this would happen. He's not in. You can't compare KC Smith, who's clearly a backup in this league and getting paid like one, to a guy that right now is one of the hottest goaltenders in the league. I understand you say, well, we should always have the hot hand in. Well, sometimes the hot hand needs a blow. Like, you need to start your backup goaltender because if that doesn't happen, look what happened last year. Not saying that overwork caused Tristan Jari's injury, but the more he's in, the higher the chance is that he's going to get injured in a way that that he did last season. So you do want more starts from Casey DeSmith this year, and you can't just always start Tristan Jari, even though he is clearly the better goaltender of the two. Yeah, it, it was... Yeah, Casey had just played. He played the second half of the back-to-back in the home-and-home in Buffalo. Yeah. But you have to also figure, okay, Jari's played six of the last seven. That's still a lot. You got to give him a rest sometimes. And also, it's the last game. Let's be real. It's the last game Casey's going to play until we come back from the Christmas break. Correct. Should be. Because we come right back into a back-to-back. So he's going to be off for a while anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to utilize both goalies. And he played fine. I'm not going to say he played stellar. I'm not going to say he got us the win or he, that he was the reason we lost. He played fine. It was a good team. You know, it's it was kind of the outcome we ex- I expected almost just mm-hmm. because of, you know, 
chasing Smith and Ned. It's a very good Carolina team. It's a 5 p.m. awkward timing game. Love yep. that. <clears throat> but you got to give Jari a rest sometimes. I get he's on a stretch, but guess what? He, I'd rather win against the Rangers just for sheer revenge purposes. I get not standings, but now they're ahead of us. So, uh, yeah, maybe I will take uh, Jari in that situation. And then well, I could play them again. Then we see Jari against Carolina again. Mm-hmm. So, nothing hurt, whatever. So what? Who cares who's in net? How about the team in front of them plays better sometimes? Yeah, at the end of the day, what do you ask of your backup goaltender? What do I personally always ask on this podcast of a backup goaltender? Give your team the chance to win. If you do that, then I'm not going to complain. Unless you blatantly cost your team, which he didn't. Could he have played better? Could he have made a save here or there? Made that important save that we talked about? you know, about a month ago where neither goaltender was making it. Yeah, he could have, but at the end of the day, it is one game in the middle of December. I understand a divisional opponent. I understand one that you want to get wins over, but in this situation, especially the people going after Sullivan for even starting him, I'm like, what, what, what is your angle here? Are you just mad that they finally lost a game for the first time in two weeks? This team has lost once this calendar month, and that was yesterday. So, you know, in the grand scheme of things, you don't have much to complain about. I understand you want to be upset because you want them to win every game. I promise you, the head coach and the players also would like to win every game. But before we head to a break, let's talk about Evgeny Malkin because we mentioned, you know, little sprinkles here. Oh, Malkin's on a point streak. Hey, he's he's quietly building up a point streak. I don't think he's silently streaking anymore. I, I think everybody's aware and well aware that he is on a point streak. Uh, two goals. 12 points in the last eight games, at least a point in every game. He's been really, really good for the Pittsburgh Penguins. On the power play, at 5-on-5, five five, despite losing Jason Zucker and having Danton Heinen jump back up onto his line, he's still played extremely well. His career-long point streak is 15 games, so he's about halfway to it. And that was between January 16th of 2010 and March 4th of 2010. He also did it for 15 games back in 2007 as well. Horwat, do you think that Evgeny Malkin matches his career-long point streak? You know, I don't think, but that's just because there's so much more uh, production coming from all over the lineup on this team mm-hmm. than there was back then, especially 2011. That was what, what was the first date of that 2011 one? January 16th. So it was a, a literally two weeks after Sidney Crosby suffered a concussion. Yes. When Malkin said, okay, I need to take this team over. Bit of a different situation now. We're getting, you know, much more of a spread out scoring on this team. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I, I think Crosby's was 2011. Didn't you just say 2011? 2010. January 16th, 2010. Why did I hear 2011? You're, think, hear you're thinking of the Winter Classic. That's why. And we're going to talk about the Winter Classic jerseys at the end of this show. So that, that's why you're thinking about it. You're just thinking you're in the Winter Classic state of mind, Horwat. Regardless. Um... <laughs> I mean, my my point still holds. The scoring is much more spread out on this team. Mm-hmm. So he can not take days off, but, I mean, he can not have production and the team still looks good. Mm-hmm. You know, his line mates can still do something if Danton Heine decides to pick it up. Um, the first line can carry a game or two. You know, maybe the fourth line pops off because, again, they don't have to score every game, but mm-hmm. they look very good and they look like they can produce – uh, the, you know, they just need to get the right uh, puck luck for them. The, every other line can produce, and Malkin doesn't have to do anything. 
and the team still looks good. So I don't think he'll match the 15, just because, A, it's a much different NHL. B, the Pens have a lot more production coming from everywhere. Mm-hmm. And C, like, yeah, it's been an eight-game point streak. We're all aware of it. It's 12 points in eight games. It's still kind of quiet. It's only two goals. Yeah. Two game winners, and one of them really wasn't a shot, but, you know. <laughs> the so iron knee. Yeah, it's a little different, but um, as impressed as I am of it, I don't think it goes to 15, but hmm. no harm, no foul. It doesn't have to. No, no, no. It would be fun storyline if he's able to do that. Uh, we've seen Mitch Marner break the Toronto Maple Leafs record this season. We saw Jason Robertson go on a very long point streak as well. I don't believe he matches his career long for, for a couple of reasons. For one, uh, a lot of these points have been racked up on the power play, which has scored at least one goal in each of the past eight games, the longest such streak for a power play since 2015-16 for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And he's been scoring a lot of them. Now, do I think the power play is going to continue to find success? Yes, because I think they're doing it in the right ways, and we'll talk about that on a Penguins to go this week. But I also think that eventually they're not going to score a power play goal, and eventually Kenny Malkin's not going to score at 5-on-5, which he hasn't been doing a whole heck of a lot of on this streak. And secondly, because, you know, I can't predict who scores points in a Winter Classic. I never can. It's very unpredictable, and he would have to score a point in that Winter Classic. I don't know if he's going to, but uh, I I think there's a sabotage factor in there for some reason in the back of my mind. But Horwat, before we cut to break, I want to ask you a trivia question. You get two options. Don't overthink it because uh, there's no real easy way to think about this. Uh, Which Penguin, since we're talking about point streaks, other than Mario Lemieux and Sidney Crosby, has one of the eight longest point streaks in Penguins history. I like that it's the Se- eight longest seven. between three people. Uh, yes, and Lemieux <laughs> and Crosby account for seven of them. Oh, good. Is so, it Yarmir Yager? It is not Yarmir Yager. You have one guest left, and I'm going to tell you right now, it's not going to be one of the big guns. That's what I was about to say. Is it an obvious one? No, it is not. That's why I <laughs> liked it. <laughs> Wanted to make it difficult for you. A little bit of like right, a name so that s- stat line throwback. Probably something stupid. What, yeah, do you know when it happened? Yeah, 2012. Chris Kunitz. No, Pascal Dupuis. <laughs> ah, that was be my third. So close. 17-game point streak for Pascal Dupuis in 2012. Yeah, I, I saw that and I was like, I, I have to go back and watch some of these highlights. But uh, Evgeny Malkin on an eight-game point streak. We hope it continues to his career long at 15. Uh, probably not going to catch Mario Lemieux at 47, which is the franchise record. But... We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, let's talk about the other two members of the big three, Chris Letang and Sidney Crosby, after the break. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. Chris Letang, obviously the past month has been a lot. Uh, he went down with his second stroke of his uh, of his lifetime, um, came back only about five games later, less than two weeks later, and we all wondered, you know, what are we going to see from Letang? Are the Penguins going to kind of put the training wheels on a little bit with his ice time? Well, with Jeff Petrie going down, that went out the window. Um, But Chris Letang has stepped up to the challenge. And I don't think any of us doubted that he would. But since his return, he has one goal and two assists for three points in four games, averaging 25 
57, so almost 26 minutes of ice time, which is two minutes more on average before his absence. And all of his analytical numbers are much higher. Helped off by, of course, the game against Florida and the game against Carolina, which makes it even more impressive because those teams are so good at 5-on-5, yet Chris Letang and Marcus Pedersen as the Penguins' top defense pairing have been dominant in both of those games. What have you made of Chris Letang's performance since he returned from his absence due to a stroke? Yeah, I think it's just kind of... It's it's looked pretty par for the course, but just, I guess, a lot better. It, those minutes are always going to be there now. Um, and he's helping out, obviously, shorthanded. That's what I've picked up on a lot, is that mm. um, he's been forced to play a lot more shorthanded minutes with Petrie down. Uh, but also certain, certain players taking penalties. It's... Um, been an impressive little run here it's good to see him get regaining some momentum and turning his season around i mean i can remember saying you know i can remember saying before the beginning of the year um he could have another career season this year that was one of the hot takes another career year it doesn't have to be production wise maybe his defense steps up maybe he has a career year analytically um and there's still a very good possibility for that he only missed what four or five games i forget how many games it wasn't many though Mm -hmm. um so there's still a very good chance that he can do all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, some things need to pick up in the right way just because uh, he had a bit of a slower start offensive-wise. But again, he's a defenseman. He doesn't have to play offense that much. And really, the Penguins haven't gotten a lot of, a lot of offense from their defense in total. But uh, that seems to be turning around a little bit, and Chris Tank's going to be a big part of that. Yeah, you mentioned that he's playing shorthanded. He scored a shorthanded goal against the Florida Panthers, vastly important one as well to tie that game up at one and to open the scoring for the Pittsburgh Penguins. The fourth shorthanded goal of his career, they mentioned on the broadcast, passing both Malkin and Crosby. Uh, Hey, at least Latang has that, right? Like, Latang has one thing over those two because other than that, those two guys usually have all the franchise records, all of this, and everybody's like, yeah, Latang has all these records among defensemen. It's nice to see him get something over those two guys for a change. Yeah, well, you know he plays more. He plays more on that uh, uh, penalty, or on the penalty kill. But I think either way, it's um, great to see just what he's doing. That he's able to be back and not miss a beat at mm-hmm. all. Yeah, no points in the first game, but um, he was playing sheltered minutes, if you will. And then now Jeff Petrie down, he's able to step right back into that role mm-hmm. and. Um, fly on all cylinders yeah three points are actually in his last two games we mentioned he played phenomenally in florida he played phenomenally in carolina if you look at his play in carolina with marcus Pedersen at five on five led the team in shot attempts with 65 percent and had 85 percent of the expected goals went on the ice that along with marcus Pedersen, was far and away the best metrics of anybody on the ice and we mentioned on thursday when we were previewing that matchup Florida is a very good team when it comes to five-on-five analytics, when it comes to possession of the puck, when it comes to shooting the puck. And Carolina is the same way. We saw it yesterday. Carolina just shoots. Like, it doesn't matter where they're at. It doesn't matter the opportunity they have. They just get the puck on net. And yet, Chris Letang, of course, according to natural statric, 61% of the course, uh, the shot attempts for, 68% of the expected goals for, and the Penguins outchance the Hurricanes 10-2 with Chris Letang on the ice at 5-on-5. That is the play of a franchise defenseman, and that is the play of a defenseman that is, after having a stroke less than a month ago, playing at the top level for this league. 
Yeah. I mean, it's impressive as hell. What he's doing is only going to help the team win. It's great to see him back in general, but uh, he's going to produce at a level that's going to keep the Penguins' momentum going. Yeah, mm-hmm. they lost to Carolina, but, dude, I thought they looked good the entire game. They it did. It was such a close game that um, it could have gone either way, and this team can beat any other team in the league. It's a matter of holding on to this consistency, making sure the power play stays awake, and seeing this sort of production from their top defender. Mm-hmm. Before we move over to talk about Sidney Crosby and a discussion that has just kind of garnered the interest of the entire hockey world over the past week, did you catch the fact that on the game-winning goal, the one thing that I said is the detriment of that Joseph and Ruedel pairing just came straight into focus? Neither of them could box out their respective players, namely Jordan Stahl, able to get positioning on Chad Ruedel, and he just looked like a child in that matchup. And listen, I love the Ruedel-Joseph pairing, but that is their that is their one fault. And I saw that, and I was like, man, like that's going to be their issue, is going up against big guys like Jordan Stahl, which, listen, he is a mastodon in front of the net. So, um, yeah, he, he's he's a freaking dinosaur in front of the net. So that that's the one thing that they'll have to work on is clearing out the net front. It happens, and listen, they didn't have to mention how tall Jordan Stahl was on the broadcast, because we all know Chad Ruedel's only 5'11", so that just wasn't fair. Yeah, I mean, Jordan Stahl's stick is probably the same height as Chad Ruedel, so that's that's probably a, a tough matchup any day of the week for a guy of Ruedel's size. But again, Ruedel's been playing well since stepping in. He always does. He, he really does. Um, but let's move over and talk about Sidney Crosby. Because everybody's talking about the top five all-time, Mount Rushmore all-time NHL. Where does Sidney Crosby be placed in that conversation as of right now? And it was all sparked by his performance this season and where he's at and the paces that he is on. 40 points in 31 games for Crosby this season. He's on pace for 45 goals and 106 points despite not scoring at all against the Carolina Hurricanes yesterday. Horwat, where do you rank? Let's, let's ask this a different way. Is he a top five player of all time, yes or no? And then we'll get into it more. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> he's absolutely top five player. There's no reason to rank the old, you know, number one is this guy, two, three, no. Because the top four or five are always, it's always going to be the discussion of who falls where, mm-hmm. who cares. Sidney Crosby's in the top five. There's no doubt about that at this point because obviously a lot of this discussion is sparked from you know, just the season he's having. It's the fact that he's having it at the age of 35. There never seems to have been uh, a set a setback in his career that he hasn't come back from mm-hmm. and that he hasn't slowed anything down through these 18 seasons. He's in his 18th season. Mm-hmm. This is incredible stuff for uh, any player. The fact, first of all, playing 18 seasons in itself is a start. Having this many, having this much production through all 18 years, playing through what he did. Um, it's it's just impressive, and it is exactly the type of pedigree that puts him in the top five. And another reason why this dis- discussion is getting brought up is, you know, the Ovechkin thing. He scored his 800th goal. Now, where does he stand among these guys? Mm-hmm. You know, does his goal scoring ability push him into the top five? Whereas, I think he's close. I would say maybe he's six, just because Sidney Crosby has that ability to. Make everyone around him better. Mm-hmm. He is not the. He's definitely not the, at the same level of goal scoring ability, 
but he's mm-hmm. close. If Sidney Crosby wanted to become a goal scorer, he could. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, let's just tell it like it is. In the grand scheme of old hockey men, a couple of cups matters. You know, a couple of MVPs matter. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of consmites matter. He's got the hardware to really drive home the idea that Sidney Crosby is definitely better than Ovechkin in this situation. And that pushes him into the top five because Ovechkin's definitely a top ten. Mm-hmm. You see what he's oh, doing yeah. into his into his mid to late thirties now. Um but I'd still think Crosby has the upper hand and that puts him firmly, I would say, into the discussion of the top five. I would agree with you. He is top five. You said it's it's useless to rank. I ranked because <laughs> I think that there's clear. I think there's a clear three tiers here for the top ten in the National Hockey League, and in my opinion, in their history, I think the top three unencumbered, and I don't think there's anybody that I see in the league right now. Yes, even Connor McDavid that will touch these top three. Mario Lemieux is the greatest player of all time. He is. He's the most naturally gifted player of all time. And I know that ifs and ifs and ifs, and you can say it time and time again, if ifs were fifths, we would all be really drunk. And Mario Lemieux would be a lot closer to a lot of Wayne Gretzky's records. It's just, it's a matter of fact. Okay? He doesn't even have a thousand games in the NHL. And he had multiple comebacks just because if he didn't, the team would be in Kansas City. So... Mario Lemieux is the best player of all time. Wayne Gretzky is right there. It's literally a 1A, 1B situation, but I do give the edge to Lemieux. What you get with Wayne Gretzky is what happens when a great player avoids major injury for the majority of his career. No massive absences. When he has Marty McSorley by his side at all times. Currently. Yes, correct. Correct. Not currently. Um, He might be with him right now. I don't know. Uh, Wasn't Marty McSorley part of that trade to LA? Yes. He wasn't going anywhere unless he had his bodyguard with him. That's how he was able to do this. Yeah, but no major absences. That's why all his records are really far and away ahead of others. I mean, I understand that Ovechkin is chasing him in goals. That's fine, but Ovechkin's not going to touch any of his other records. Nobody's going to touch him in points ever. Maybe McDavid if he plays forever. But again, it's a lot different of a league right now. Is he going to be able to do that? You know, so we'll have to see. But I, I do think that Wayne Gretzky is just the picture perfect what you get when you see a player play his career unencumbered by massive setbacks. Number three is Bobby Orr. Similar to Mario Lemieux, career cut extremely short, but he's clearly the greatest defenseman of all time, and nobody can argue that. Another major what-if in hockey history. What if Bobby Orr plays as long as Wayne Gretzky, stays as healthy as Wayne Gretzky, or plays as long as a Gordie Howe? What does that look like? So I have those as the top three. Then I don't know who to put higher. Right now it's probably Gordy Howe at four, Sidney Crosby at five. But I think Sidney Crosby, by the end of his career, if he gets in the top five in points, which I believe he will, I wrote an article over the summer that I can retweet out again, what he has to do to do that, and he is certainly on pace to make his mark this season. He could finish top five all time in points, and he'll be one of the very few current day players to be up there then I, I put him ahead of Gordy Howe. But regardless, it's Gordy Howe, Sidney Crosby, 4-5, and I don't see that changing. I do have Alex Ovechkin uh, in that third tier because I think the first tier is the top three, Lemieux, Gretzky, Orr, then it's Crosby, Howe, and then the third tier is five or six through ten for me, and that's Ovechkin, who I would put right now at number six and probably going to stay there. 
Maurice Rocket Richard, Bobby Hull, Ooh. Nick Lindstrom, Ooh. and Martin Broder. Ooh, that's a fun list. That's what I have as my top 10. And and listen, yeah. people can say, listen, you, you weren't old enough to watch. You don't appreciate the old players. I appreciate Gordie Howe. I appreciate Jean Beliveau. <laughs> but just what these players have done, and I, I think there is this blind just way of looking at it that forwards and points are all that matters in hockey no watch the way nick lidstrom played defense watch the way martin brodeur played in net it changed the game it changed the outlook of their entire team's future their franchises that's why i have those guys up there but this is not a podcast to get into that this is a podcast mainly about Sidney crosby or in a segment mainly about Sidney crosby and i have him right now at number five knocking on gordy howe's door for number four yeah, and he's up there. I just like I like judging your list because That's once fine. you get past five, it's, hell, it's once a you get past, Yeah, once you get past three, really, because a lot of people um, don't want to have Sidney Crosby in this discussion. Um, so once you get past the top three, it turns into here come all of the names. Yeah, you know, we already mentioned Crosby, but some people wouldn't put Ovechkin up there yet. Um, Gordy Howe is usually going to be in the top five still, regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, but then out of that five, it becomes fun. Like you mentioned. Lindstrom. People would say Hashik is better than Brodeur and not put him in the top ten. Like there's weird situations Law. with that. Same with Patrick Law, yeah. Then there's the Mike Bossy, who again, a lot like Lemieux and Orr, mm-hmm. shut down pretty early. Um and of course, as I'm trying to have this discussion, all of the names have left my head. Yeah. Mark Messier can be in this discussion somewhere, Ron Francis. Mm-hmm. Um and then just sleepers that you just kind of forget about, Luke Robitaille or mm-hmm. Ugh, Paul Korea, who again, career cut short. Joe Sackick, Peter Forsberg, Steve Eiserman, Stevie Y. If he really wanted to, uh, Sergey Fedorov. There's some names they could. All those names, if you were to say were in your top ten, not being mad at. Yeah. At all. It's it, it. There's only ten spots, and there are more than ten players that are certainly fitting to be named one of the top ten. And I wouldn't argue. I mean, the big one that you mentioned there was Steve Eiserman. You know, that, yeah, that's the one it, I, yeah. I looked at this. Well, yeah, that was mentioned there. I looked at this list and I had a hard time keeping Steve Eiserman off. It was literally between Eiserman, Lidstrom and Brodeur. And, you know, for what I think about the way that those two just kind of changed the, the course of their position forever. That's why I have them higher in there. But this, it's a gr- it's a crazy thing to look at um, for sure. And, and, I and we didn't even mention Yager this entire time. Yeah. And Yarmir Yager. Um, but the last thing I'll, I'll say before, you know, I let you obviously have your final thoughts on this is leadership-wise, Sidney Crosby, I would take over almost everybody on that list. So what I'm petitioning in lieu of the NBA naming all their trophies for the first time, once he retires, can we change the Mark Messier Award to the Sidney Crosby Award? You see... I'd agree with that, except we know how the NHL is, and it would go to Jonathan Taves first, Captain Taves. Oh my lord! Come yeah. on, you know Captain Overrated, Jonathan Taves. Oh, and, uh, and that's co- the thing too. I I love Jonathan Taves as a player, and I think he is a fantastic captain. When but once people started saying, "Hey, he's he's better than Crosby. Hey, he's a better leader than..." No, shut up. He's perfectly serviceable. He's a perfectly fine guy. He's probably a Hall of Famer, but he's not a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's not. Patrick Kane is. But Ooh. but it, but is Jonathan Taves? No, he's not. He's perfectly fine. He's a two-way guy that's half decent at everything he does. But 
He's not excellent at everything he does like Sidney Crosby. I don't know he's why not... you set me off for some reason. That that just yeah, that set me off today. Jonathan Taves isn't keeping his terrible team afloat. No, and he hasn't for six <clears throat> years. Yeah. He had Whereas... his run, and then he faded into oblivion. Crosby had his run, started to fade, and said, screw this, I'm winning two more Stanley Cups. Yeah. There were some bad there were some bad Penguins teams over the last few years, and Cindy uh, Crosby's a reason why we got anywhere. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, obviously, Evgeny 15. Malkin as well. <clears throat> Thank you, yeah. Mike Johnston. Hey, and, you know, Evgeny Malkin's in there as well. I forgot about him. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, it's, in the, in the grand scheme of all-time things, I've heard a lot of discussion that in the far future, in the distant future, people are going to look back at the numbers and say Ovechkin was better, and I'm going to say, how are you going to look at the numbers and not look at the hardware? Congratulations, he has more goals. Listen, if Ovechkin hits a thousand goals, which I believe someone has already had that discussion, which is hilarious, mm-hmm. and I mean, really could happen. Um, you know, that's fine. That's great. That's one record that he's gonna have. And yeah, Crosby's not gonna have any of those records, but he's going to have the hardware. He's at the age of thirty-five, going for his second most productive season ever. We j- how 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 much did we just talk last year about how great it was at Latang? Again, not really in this discussion at all. But had a career year at the age of 35. Had a career year. If Sidney Crosby was able to have this sort of production at the age of 35, um, that deserves to be discussed and put onto a pedestal of, here's why he's still so good. Mm-hmm. The people that had great seasons at the age of 35, I, Jacob wrote the, wrote the article for Inside the Penguins, they're not your typical greatest of all times. It's Johnny Busick, who, yeah, great player, Hall of Famer, but not Wayne Gretzky. I forget what his numbers were in the age of 35, but it's not the same sort of thing. So, Cindy Crosby setting himself apart. Um, if this production is able to continue to the end of his contract, let alone the end of his career, mm-hmm. uh, he's in this discussion. He's already in this discussion. So, mm-hmm. top five player, yeah, one thousand percent. Yeah, and I think what you're seeing now is Sidney Crosby is beginning to pull away from Alex Ovechkin, and I think that continues. Um, but I, I do hate the fact that. When anybody has this discussion, Crosby versus Ovechkin, they denigrate the other player. There's no need to do that. Like, we, we, we you haven't. That's not why I'm saying that. But, like, everybody's like, yeah, Crosby sucks compared to Ovechkin. It's like, no, you're stupid. You are. Like, if you say that, you have no right to have that conversation with any type of platform. Both of these players are Hall of Famers. Both of these players are all-timers. We're saying they're both in the top six of all time. Literally. And if it, it, it's just a matter of, like... These guys are great, but when I look at Crosby, he excelled at everything. When I look at Ovechkin, he is extremely, extremely talented at a lot of things, but not everything. He isn't. And people say, oh, well, don't bring cups into this. Why not? Why not? <laughs> Being a winner, not a, not just leading your team to wins, not just winning Stanley Cups, winning gold medals everywhere, winning MVPs in international play. It's not all about that. Being a winner in general is a mindset, and you can see it on the ice, and you've seen it with Sidney Crosby from the age of 18 probably till the age of 40. So that's where I give him the edge with that and then all, all a bunch of other things also because defensively, Crosby's been better. We can get into this discussion all day. But I was going to say, I just pulled up Ovechkin's plus-minus numbers just because they're really fun. He led the league in scoring on multiple occasions and had a minus. He was a minus 35 with 51 goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Come on. So there are clearly arguments to be made for both sides and people can just throw our opinions to the side because we're on a podcast covering the Pittsburgh Penguins, but 
at the end of the day, it's it, it's my unbiased opinion. I know it, it, that can be taken with a grain of salt. People will not believe me, but that it's what it is. And if you don't want to believe me, I really don't care. So we're gonna take a quick break. When do we return? Let's just rank some jerseys. Let's have some fun. <laughs> that's that, that that's not gonna get any you know heated at all, right? Uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll talk about that after the break. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. Shout out to our boss, Noah Strackbind. Um, I'm in a good mood, Horwat. It's it's Christmas week. You have your festive Christmas sweater on. I thought about putting on mine, but I only have one. You have several, as we've Many. seen over the years. This is my years. new one. This is my Dunder Mifflin one for Dun this year. Oh, that is... I See, I didn't see that until just now. That is gorgeous, Horwat. Very. I should. I should. I should have wore my Dunder Mifflin shirt, which I also got at Marshalls. Um, <laughs> so maybe I got to. I got to take a trip after we finish recording this. But speaking of threads, let's talk about our weekly pens poll. The Penguins have five jerseys that they're wearing throughout the course of this season. So we asked last week which alternate jersey is the best. Pittsburgh Diagonal, which I expected to win this poll, got forty-two percent of the vote, but nearly won this poll because the RoboPen Reverse Retro got 39, a difference of only 3% in our listener voting. So 42% for the Diagonal, 39% for the Reverse Retro with the 90s RoboPen on it. And the Winter Classic jersey got 19%. A nice showing uh, for the new guy. 19% for the Winter Classic. Horwat, first and foremost, which one is best? Which one is best? I of those three, I'd have to go with the diagonal. I think. Listen, I like the Robo Pen, and I know why everyone voted for it. It is the "What have you done for me lately?" Mm -hmm. We've worn it a hell of a lot already. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, they, I don't think they've worn the diagonal since they debuted the Robo Pen. I yeah, I think they've only worn it once all year. I was thinking about this while I was um, covering one of the last few games. I'm realizing because they were wearing home whites. So I'm like, I haven't seen them wear just their regular home jersey and what feels like a long time because mm -hmm. it felt like every home game we were getting was we're wearing the reverse retro again we're wearing the, re the reverse retro again which i get you know you're only wearing it for a year why not publicize it why not get some sales out of it mm -hmm. um but it's already much like the uh the white diagonal did with the last one it's already growing old to me man really a little just a little not a whole lot because it is a cool looking logo on a cool looking jersey i mean i look around my desk and one two three four five i see five robo pens just around my desk not the regular penguin logo mm -hmm. but um yeah that being said though it's a cool logo and i like the jersey it's just can we give it a little break just for a little bit because also i'm seeing a lot of people wear the winter classic one mm -hmm. it looks cool I'm seeing a lot of people wearing it at the arena yeah, I, I agree. Listen, I love the ro I love all of these jerseys. I really think the Pittsburgh Penguins have some of the best jerseys in the NHL right now. I really do. And the last time I can remember, and it's actually our our Twitter uh, Twitter header, the last time they wore their home jerseys, their regular home jerseys at home, because remember they wore them on the road against the uh, the the Sabers. The last time they wore them was Malkin's 
1,000th game celebration against the, uh, <laughs> against the, um, why am I blanking? The Calgary Flames. And I wasn't even at that game. So I really haven't seen this jersey in so long. Yeah, very true. But I do think and understand why the diagonal, which we're pulling up here for all the video viewers on Inside the Penguins on YouTube, that diagonal is the best one, in my opinion. I really like it. I, I think the colors just, it perfectly seems with the Pittsburgh Penguins' actual colors right now. And I hope, and I'm happy that this is their third jersey, so they're going to wear it more seasons. I hope that they keep it. Like, I want them, I really don't want a new jersey anytime soon that's, like, going to be in the actual rotation. I'm excited about the Winter Classic jersey. I love the RoboPen, and I want to keep seeing it. But the thing about the RoboPen to me is that yellow on the shoulders. Yeah. I Listen, I have no complaints about anything but with these jerseys. But when I look at this RoboPen jersey, it looks like a throwback jersey that you're going to wear for a year. Yeah, I wouldn't. It, 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 I wouldn't want to see it year over year. To be completely yeah. honest, it's a little jarring once you really start staring at it. Mm -hmm. And just like I said, I just we're, we've worn it a lot so far this year. That's so it's kind of just wearing it down. And that's kind of what happens with a lot of these jerseys. Like when we first debuted, that we were going to go back to the black and <clears throat> yellow mm -hmm. look. It was a great look. It was fun having around. And then we wore it. And it became the consistent year after year. And all of a sudden, I'm looking at it like, I've just seen it a lot. It's great, but I've just seen it a lot. The 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 fun has kind of worn off on it, and now it's just a game sweater. Whereas with this one, that fun's wearing off rather fast for me. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. And I think the RoboPen looks cool on the black. I do, but eh, just kind of getting used to it. Yeah, and, and like I said, I don't want to, again, I don't want to talk bad about any of these because I love all these jerseys, but my ranking goes Pittsburgh Diagonal. Then, let me try to pull it up here. I like the there Winter Classic one more. I, I, like the, I like the Winter Classic one more than I like the RoboPen. And I know that's that's a, a semi-hot take, and I think you're on this boat with me. But I go Pittsburgh Diagonal, Penguins Winter Classic, and RoboPen. Because I do think, and initially, both of us said yellow buckets again. Really? We're still doing this? <laughs> but I think... With the way that the pads are set up, I'm going to like this jersey a lot more. I've loved when I like when they show it on the broadcast, play, people wearing it. When you see pictures of people wearing it, I think the Pirates went to a game, a couple of them, and they were wearing it. I think Najee Harris went to a game, and he was wearing it. I think I saw you wearing it. I love I this one, sweater. Yeah. <laughs> I love awesome. this sweater. It's awesome, and it's getting around town already. Like I said, I see a lot of people wearing it in the arena. Mm -hmm. Um I one thing that I really like about it is that it's just not it's not white. It's not just a it's plain cream. white. It's a little off white. It's a nice cream or beige. Kind of looks brown on uh, NHL mm. uniform database. But I hey. would say it's an ivory, Horwat. An ivory. <laughs> Whatever you want to call it. It looks <laughs> it looks great. It is not your just your basic white. Obviously there's all the history attached to it that we don't mm -hmm. need to dig into. But it feels just a lot cleaner and it feels like they really did a good job with it. Yeah. Um, and it's, I mean, as much as there are, there is still a blue option they could have gone to. Mm. It's not blue guys. And yeah. I know everyone hates the blue. I like the blue, but that's just me. Mm. I like the blue in moderation. Yes. And we haven't had that moderation in a long time, yeah. but anyway, um, it's not blue. So everyone can enjoy that as well. It's, it's just nice. Mm -hmm. And there's no other way to get around it. It's nice. Again, it's not going to grow old because we're going to wear it once, maybe two to three times later in the year. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not going to be shoved down our throats 
kind of like the Robo Pen was. Nothing against it. It's a great jersey too, but you could tell that it's only going to be worn for a year. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing, Horwat. What did I say whenever we found out it was Penguins versus Bruins at Fenway Park? What did I want? I want an old-fashioned black and gold v. black and gold matchup. That's what we're going to get on January 2nd. And also, I just think that these are the best outdoor game jerseys we've seen for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I love the original 2008 Winter Classic, powder blue with the circle logo. Sidney Crosby scores in the shootout Mm -hmm. at Orchard Park. I love those jerseys. Those are number two. But a lot of rankings on this episode. But I think this is the best Winter Classic slash outdoor jersey, throw in all the Stadium Series jerseys that the Penguins have done in the Sidney Crosby era. I don't, I don't, you know, they could have had an outdoor game way before, and I don't remember. I don't think they have, but they didn't. You're okay. But yeah, I, yeah, I didn't want to say that without doing my research on it, but I love these jerseys. I'm excited to see them on January 2nd, and uh, I do, I do think I'm going to buy one eventually. Uh, that eventually is not yet. I have other stuff to buy, um, but eventually I will have my hands on one of these. Um, probably a Malkin one is what I'm thinking. Ooh. Yeah, and what was the one thing I said whenever the whenever they said it was going to be at Fenway? Play as the Pirates. Yeah. Go to a baseball field, play as the Pirates, and they did just that. And you know one thing I have to say, we'll close out this little, this little thing with, all these jerseys that we just talked about, at least in my eyes, kick the hell out of that ugly yellow thing we had a few years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you hated that jersey. That we tried wearing in the playoffs. It also bugs me when team, teams wear third jerseys in the playoffs. Uh, see, here's the thing, though. If you plan on making it more of a regular jersey, then yes. Fine. Penguin, that's fine. Penguins in 2017. I know. 16. But yeah, I know. 16. Yeah, you're right. 2017 is when they brought in the, the new road whites. Yeah, and I know. But it's, I mean, we ended up not winning in it. So all the photos you see, it's still Vegas gold or khaki, whatever you want to call it. But still. Mm-hmm. I get it. I get why teams do it, too. Like, they want to drive the revenue for it. But there was just something so ugly about that yellow. I hated it. It was fine at first, and then I quickly it grew was, old. It was weird because it was... There's gr- no triangle? Well, I know you don't like the triangle. I don't I don't care as much as you do about that. But it was weird because I feel like you liked the one that they initially came out with for the outdoor game against Philly. That was awesome. And it was, was awesome. very minimal differences. And then all of a sudden it was like... This is horrible. This is horrendous. I mean, I don't know exactly what. They don't have the, I, the City of Champions patch on or Steel the City. big patch. The numbers were a little different. Yeah. I mean, looking at it, looking at it on the website here, it's just the fact that there's no triangle still bothers me. Yeah. And I also think it was a brighter yellow on the actual everyday third jersey. I think so, too. If it, yeah. I mean, it's fine. Like I said, they're both fine. And. I mean, I'm sure had we worn, there seemed to be a little bit more black on the on the Stadium Series one too. Yeah, uh, I'm sure that would have grown old on me too, but I didn't see it as much. Yeah. So. Yeah, we we always love having jersey discussions on a mainly audio medium, but that's why you have to follow us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins. We're up over 500 subscribers, so thank you to all of our subscribers for uh, notching us up there, and we will be back. All week with content, we will have probably a little bit of a different schedule next week in between Christmas and New Year's. We'll figure that out and we'll let you know. But this week, you will still be getting Tip of the Iceberg today, of course. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, Tip of the Iceberg on Thursday as well. And then Penguins to goes on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday before we break for the holiday weekend. But that's going to do it for this one. We will see you guys next time. Have a great week, Penguins fans. Thank you.